Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. So welcome to 12 Stone. We celebrate being here today. Come on now. Today, I am joined by a bunch of our graduating seniors from across all of our campuses today because this is graduation weekend. Can I get a hallelujah from the graduating seniors? It's, it's over. No more high school. One of them just told me, dead serious, I didn't say this. They said, you look like a high school. You fit in. So thank you for that. I, I do feel young at, at heart. So here's what I want to do. If you're a graduating senior across any of our campuses or even right here, will you stand up so we can celebrate you and applaud what you've done, the accomplishment of graduation here across the campuses. Well done. All right, you can, you can be seated. You can be seated. Man, I feel, I feel old standing here, to be honest with you. You didn't know this, but I, I baptized this guy like 10 years ago, eight years ago. And the last time I remember seeing him, he was like this tall. And I'm like, you're a grown man now. You could beat me up. But man, I'm glad, I'm glad that time has continued on and we get to celebrate a marking moment in y'all's life today. And I want to start here with something super exciting, which is, let me ask you guys, how many of you have been to a summer camp at 12 Stone before? Hands up. All right, most of you have been there. All right. This summer, camp is going to look a little bit different, actually a lot different, and we are really excited for it. See, for, for years, camp looked like us piling up in like 700 buses and driving several hours away and being gone for a week and, and a whole thing. But part of what God's called us to in this next generation vision is that we need to make camp not for hundreds of students, but for thousands. And you, yeah, someone's excited about that. There, there are hundreds of thousands of students within a drive of our campuses that don't know Jesus, literally. And, and camp is a place where God tends to meet with us and where God tends to reveal himself and marking spiritual moments happen. And so there's a lot of things that were restricting camp. One of them was how many beds we had at camp. One of them was the, was the awkwardness of you inviting a friend, and they're like, will you go to camp with me? And the parents are like, you're going to go spend the night for five nights with strangers? I uh, don't think so. One was the price, four or $500 for overnight camp. And so God sort of started stirring enough in us, what if we did camp differently? We're not hundreds, now it's thousands. We're, instead of it costing hundreds and hundreds of dollars for camp to work, what if we could make camp like $99, which, which we did, so that the, the cost isn't the thing keeping kids from camp, and so we are talking about what we're going to do this summer for camp, and so I want to give you a little picture of, of what this is going to look like, because we're going to do camp right here at 12 Stone locally at the Sugarloaf Campus. Everyone's going to come here, and that's exciting for some of us. Should be exciting for all of us, because we don't have to drive four hours away, three hours away anymore. It's going to be right here. I want to give you a picture of what camp is probably going to look like, because it's going to be a blast. This is what we're going to try to turn the Sugarloaf campus into. In fact, y'all in, in, in the campus world, you look at this like, what does that say? Let me, let me go over here. Give me a second. I want to blow this thing up for you because camp is going to be unreal. So we're going to turn this place into like a wild playground for a week. And we're going to have, you don't even see it because it's down at the bottom, a zip line. Like that's like 30 foot in the air across the parking lot. We're going to have the death swing from carnivals. We're insured. And then we're going to have slides. 
and an arcade truck and water games, and we're going to have basketball and a field. Like, we're going to turn this place into Disneyland for students. And it's going to be a party all week long for camp. You're going to want to be here. So let me, let me start here. Parents, if you're, maybe you're a middle schooler or a high schooler, maybe you're the parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler, you're like, I want to get my kids in on this. Registration is now open. Go ahead and throw the, the text code up here. You can text CAMP to 37748. The spots are going to fill quick. Even though we've opened it up to now thousands instead of hundreds, you can text this right now and start registration. Guys, this is your last CAMP. Don't miss it before you go to college or your career, but we can text CAMP. Secondly, you might be an adult and you're going... That looks like fun. I, I want to go to camp. Well, I got a problem with that because it's awkward and weird. Don't be that guy. You can't go to camp. But listen, you can serve at camp. You, you can actually say, you know what? The Spirit of God's stirring in me. When you guys talk next gen, when I look at these graduating seniors, like y'all are the culmination of the vision God gave this church. Like you're the culmination of 18 years of investing where now hopefully you leave age 12 and you're making biblical decisions. Like when I look at this, I go, God's given a calling to this church and maybe God's calling you to give a day to the next generation or to give a week to the next generation. And you might be, God might be asking you, listen, you're going to take off work for a day or you're going to figure out your own childcare so you can come and serve at camp. And so here's what we want to invite you to do. Grab the card you were handed when you, got, you came in or was on your seat when you came in. I want you to grab this card. Hold it in your hands. No one's doing it. And is my mic off? Grab, thank you. Grab your card. Thank you. Cross the campuses. And here's what we want to invite you to. Maybe the Spirit of God is telling you, you're going you're gonna to give a day for the next generation. And you're going to serve at camp because we need over 300 daymakers per day to serve at camp. That's a lot of people. 300 a day. So we need you. So do this with me. Take the card. It's perforated on one side. Go ahead and fold it back and forth and let's tear it off together. You're going to keep the small piece. One, two, three. Let's tear. Several of you did it. Awesome. The rest of you, you're rebels. That's cool. Uh, tear the card. This one's yours. Put this in your pocket. This one, if God's stirring you that maybe you're supposed to serve at camp this summer for a day, two days, a week, you're going to fill out your, your name, your email, your phone number, and we're going to have an interest lunch on June 4th across all the campuses at 12.30. We're going to give you lunch, and we're going to talk to you about what it looks like, what it might look like for you to serve at camp this summer to give a day or two days or a week to the next generation. Because listen, we believe this summer we will see more students say yes to Jesus than in the history of camp in our whole history as a church. So can we celebrate that? Be a part of that. We're going we're gonna to collect those cards at the end of the service across the campuses if you're interested in that. So, so let's, let's get into the teaching today. We're excited about camp, but we're excited about today. And so I'm going to flavor the teaching to y'all. And y'all get to listen in. And I told you this a couple weeks ago, but when I do this, this is a subtle way of saying y'all need to listen to. Wink. I'm going to talk to just you guys. Listen up. Because what God wants to say in this season might be to this group, God might want to say to you. Because here's, here's the reality. Y'all are stepping into a brand new season of life. Y'all were rooted and planted here in your family of origin, at a church in age 12. And now the decisions other people sort of made for you over the years, you guys get to start making for yourself. And some of you are like, let's go. This is going to be awesome. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to caution you. Because the decisions you make now will have an impact the rest of your life. Like you get to decide what's the most important thing in your life. 
Y'all get to decide what are your values? Where are you going to draw lines of character? Y'all get to decide, man, what's dating going to look like for me now? Y'all get to decide what's, what's my, my disciplines of study look like? And if your parents are paying for college, make them good because daddy's going broke to get you there. Study. Like y'all get to start making decisions that other people made for you for years, and that starts real soon. So the decisions y'all are going to make over the next two, three, four, five years are like seeds that you're planting in your life, and those seeds will eventually grow and produce fruit. And based on those decisions, your, your fruit in your life will either be good or bad. And just so you know, the same is true for you not just the seniors. So I want to gear today to this next season for you and for graduating seniors across the campuses and this whole concept that the decisions you make today will bear fruit. Jesus talked about that. In fact, I want you to see what Jesus said. Here's how Jesus talked about how things bear fruit. In Matthew 7, Jesus said this, by their fruit, you will recognize them. By their what? Let's try it again like we mean it. By their what? By their fruit. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? The answer is no. It's rhetorical, but the answer is no. Or figs from thistles? No. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Jesus is setting up this picture for us saying, listen, if you want to know what somebody's really about, look at their fruit. Don't just look at what they say. Don't just look, about, look at what they post. Look at their fruit. How do you tell if a tree is an apple tree? It's fruit. Like you, you don't have to be a, oh, I'm going to get this wrong because it could be bad. A, a horticulturist? Is that a plant person? You, thank you. Uh, I'm not saying about we got giggles from the graduating seniors. A horticulturist to know what an apple tree is. I don't, you don't need a plaque in front of it. You just look at the fruit. Equally, if I go up to a tree and I see these growing on it, and you come up to me and you confidently say, that's an orange tree. I can tell you you're wrong. Because apple trees don't grow oranges and orange trees don't grow apples. Jesus is saying, listen, if you want to know, you will know them by their fruit. And this, this metaphor that, that Jesus sort of starts into, it is setting the table for us because we're in the middle of a season where we're asking a question, and it's this, are, are, you, are you settling for less than Jesus is offering? You're saying for less than God offers in your faith. Many of us feel like we're in desert faith where there's not a lot of fruit growing on our trees. See, fruit doesn't grow in the desert very easily, Right? And many of us feel like this is, is our reality. And what Jesus is saying to us today is, listen, I want to talk to you about that. You might be settling for less than I offer. And so this May, we're in this series where we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. And we're in week three of talking about the Holy Spirit. Just to recap, if you need it, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, a person, not an it, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he is God, not a lesser junior version of God, not a branch manager for God. He is fully God. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of anybody who claims to follow Jesus, not claims, anyone who follows Jesus. 
Anyone who's given their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit now lives in you. And lastly for today, a byproduct of the Holy Spirit living in us is that he grows the fruit of the Spirit in us. You don't grow nothing. But a byproduct of the Holy Spirit is that he would grow fruit in our life. In fact, here's what Galatians says about it. Maybe you've heard this before. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience. Like, and who among us would turn down more love, joy, or peace right now? Not me. Who, who among us would say, I don't need any more patience or kindness or goodness? If you're a parent... All you need is patience right now, right? Like you got kids at home, like Jesus, grow pay. I need it. Who among us would say, listen, I don't need faithfulness or gentleness or self-control. Self-control alone is worth the, the price of admission. See, this is what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in our life. It's called the fruit of the, the Spirit because that's what God wants to grow in us. Come on, somebody. This is what we're looking for. God, that's what I want, especially in a world where instead of those things, we got hate and emptiness and fear and irritability and mean-spiritedness and darkness and infidelity and harshness and indulgence. Like, that's what most, most of the world looks like. And God's like, yeah, I want to give you a different kind of fruit because a good tree produces good fruit. And that's what I want to talk about today because what is a spiritual desert if not a place without love, joy, peace, like, what is a spiritual desert if it's not that? The problem is the phrase, the fruit of the spirit is an odd one for us today, right? Like, I, I don't know about you. I don't, I don't talk like that. The fruit of my marriage is, no, it's weird. My wife is like, that's gross. No, sleep on the couch. That's weird. I don't talk like that. But God chose this agricultural metaphor throughout the entirety of scripture, over a hundred times in the Old Testament, God talks about the concept of fruitfulness or bearing fruit. 24 of the 27 books in the New Testament talk about what it means to bear fruit. This metaphor is all over the place. And, and when the Bible was written, this metaphor about fruit would have, would have been an accessible illustration because they had an agricultural society. If we lived 2,000 years ago, most of you would have at least a garden, if not a farm. Because you had to grow your own food. And so when God talks about these metaphors about fruit, like they'd be like, yeah, I'm tracking. Our problem is most of us don't run a farm. If you do, thank you, because you feed the rest of us. But most of us don't have our own garden. And so maybe if, if, if you're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit like we just read in Galatians, it might simply be that you don't know how fruit works because <laughs> you don't grow it, most of us. And so what I want to do is I want to unpack for us. Jesus gives us another layer deeper into this metaphor in John 15. And I want to I read this to you. Look how Jesus describes how this plays out. Jesus talking, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. He continues, I am the vine and you are the branches, talking about us. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do not, not you can do less. <laughs> you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What's he saying? The fruit in your life will demonstrate if you're one of my disciples. Josh, go back to that very, very first uh, scripture, John 15. I want to walk through this because we don't understand how plants grow. So I want to walk through this. John 15, the first part of the verse we read. Jesus talking, I am the true vine. Here's what you have to know. Jesus is the vine. And what Jesus did on the cross is he gave us access to the Father through his death and resurrection. And so when you bow your life to Jesus, you are grafted into his vine. And then my Father is the gardener. And so what God does in our life is he is gardening us. It's a weird thing to say, but God's gardening us. He's cutting back the branches that are, that are dead and not producing fruit. He's, he's forming your life. He's cleaning stuff up. He's working with you to make you more fruitful. And then the reality is that he prunes it so that you'll be more fruitful. But listen, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Meaning this, you can't grow the fruit of the Spirit on your own. The fruit of the Spirit, that list, love, joy, peace, patience, God, that's not a to-do list for you. That's the responsibility of God to grow it in your life. But our job, Jesus says, is to remain in me. The only command that Jesus gives all of us in that passage, all that content, he just says, listen, your job is to remain in me. Which is such a weird thing to say. Remain in me, that's your job. See, Jesus is trying to teach us how God grows fruit. But he grows it over time in the life of a believer like a tree grows fruit over time in its life. You don't put a seed in the ground and the next day, pop, well, look, an apple came out from the, no, it doesn't work that way. Unless you're a farmer, you don't know what goes into producing fruit. We're on the receiving end. Just, hey, apple, got it. Thank you for the, and the farmer's like, dude, that was years, years to get this guy. We don't recognize how it works. See, farmers understand you've got to till the soil. Then you've got to plant the seed. Then you've got to water that seed. Then you've got to weed the ground around it as weeds grow up. And then as the tree starts to sprout up, you've got to have patience because apple trees don't bear fruit the first year. And so you've got to keep feeding it and watering it and tending it. So eventually that tree will produce Fruit, lots of time and attention goes into making a, an apple or a banana. But here's the problem. This is my problem. Our culture has an obsession with instant. I heard the groans. I want good things for not a lot of money right now. Hashtag America. <laughs> like that's Amazon. Right? Like, I, I want stuff now. I get angry when a website takes five seconds to load. 
when you're in the left lane going the speed limit, how dare you, sir? I want things now. Think about it. We have an obsession with instant. We have instant tanner and instant hair growth, guys. Come on now. Some of y'all need to slap a little more on us. Okay. You got instant stuff. Listen, you got instant oatmeal, instant potatoes, instant pudding. You got DoorDash, instant meals showing up to your house. The instant results are the promise of everything marketed to us right now. You'll see results on day one, whether it's plastic surgery or fad diets. I want the results on the front end. I want to buy the program that's three steps to get rich quick. I want a lottery ticket, not a 401k. Listen, I, I, I want a dating app, not me. Love you, babe. You, you, you want a dating app to meet people now. Just swipe, and I got a date for next week. Like, we want results now. Instagram. Instacart. You know what Instacart is? Like, it, you don't even have to drive to the grocery store to get an apple anymore. Someone else will do it and bring it to your house today. It's pretty awesome, by the way. My wife and I, side note, we tried this on vacation. We usually go to Walmart, like our first stop. We usually get to like the beach. Maybe y'all do this family tradition. Get there, dump our stuff in the room and go to Walmart. And we buy all the groceries for the week. But listen, the Panama City Walmart is a sight to behold. It is. You could have webs. They might have it. If there is, send it to me. There could be websites taking pictures of like these people in Walmart. So Amber's like, I don't have it in me to do the Panama City Walmart this year. So she downloaded the Instacart app and went through and just said the stuff we needed. And they brought bags of groceries to us, to our door. We're like, this is awesome. Here's the problem. She asked for a, uh, a thing of bananas. And one of the bags, the only thing in there was a single banana. And we're like, did you think we meant one banana? All these bags of groceries and then like a bag for, like what kind of psychopath orders a banana? Like we want the whole thing of bananas. That guy was like, this is a weird family in there with the one banana. See, Insta, Instacart comes immediately. We are conditioned to expect results immediately. We're conditioned to expect fruit instantly. And when God picked the metaphor for what the Holy Spirit wants to grow in you, he picked a metaphor that takes time. And there's nothing else in my life I will wait for. When I go on Amazon and order a package and it says, this product won't be here for three weeks. You know what I do? Cancel the order and go find a similar product that'll be here tomorrow. And yet God said, no, it's going to take some time. See, here's the problem. Our obsession, our obsession with instant causes us to view God more like a grocery store than a gardener. I'm going to say that again because it didn't settle right. Our obsession with instant causes us to view God more like a grocery store than a gardener. We show up and we go, here's the deal, God. Here from a fruit. What aisle is it on? I'm in a rush. I got to get some of that joy. That would be awesome. I mean, I had a rough week. I need some peace. Where do I? I got my cart, God. Where do I get my fruit? Hey, uh, there's a spill on aisle nine, God. My son was over there. But the fruits, where, what aisle is that one on? 
Like, God, I, I, I'm here to get my self-control. I need that yesterday. Could have used it then, but now I'll take it today. I need to go today with my fruit. I got to go. In fact, if, if John 15 was written in a modern day, the MDT, the modern day translation, it might read like this. Jesus is the supply chain and God is the grocery store. If you will come as a customer and shop at the grocery store, church, each week on Sunday, you will leave with much fruit. And here's the problem. I prefer that. Don't you? Hey, I, when I want an apple, I don't want to plant a tree in my backyard. I want to go to the grocery store and get an apple. By the way, that is not in the Bible. That's, I wrote that. That is not inspired by God. So thank you. Take it down. It's not the Bible. Some of you are like, what, what translation is that? I like that one. No. It's heretical. You see, when, when you view God as a grocery store, that makes you and I a customer. And he's providing a service to us, and we get to decide, you know what? I don't like this grocery store. I'm going to go from this one to this one. Ah, that's too expensive. I'm going to go to Aldi. Aldi's out of this thing, and I'm going to go to Kroger. And we... We can look at God and go, you're not delivering the fruit I want at the speed I want it, so I'm going to bail and go look somewhere else. Graduating seniors, that's the seeds of deconstruction. When you start looking at God like a grocery store, your expectation is he will deliver what you want when you need it at your speed. And when then God doesn't act like you want him to act as the grocery store, you bail. God didn't do what he said he would do. No, 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 no. That translation I wrote, God didn't write. In fact, I want to remind you, here's what, what Jesus actually said. He's not a supply chain and grocery store. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the? It doesn't say grocery store. It says gardener. And if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. See, if God's the grocery store, I'm the customer. But listen, if God's the gardener, he owns me. He, he's responsible for the fruit. See, in the age of instant, God still says, remain in me. Not shop at my store. He didn't have commercials on TV going, hey, my grocery store's got fruit cheaper and quicker than the other. He's not trying to do a marketing campaign. He don't need it. He's just saying, if you will remain in me, fruit will grow out of your life. And so here's how I want you to think about it. When you see the words remain in me, I want you to think to stay rooted. That's what Jesus is saying. The command remain in me. If he's the, if he's the vine, what he's saying is, listen, stay rooted in me and I will feed you and nurture you and cut away the things that aren't bearing fruit and your life spiritually will grow and fruit will come from it. And listen, just an aside, maybe you never thought about this. The purpose of church, you don't come here to get the fruit of the Spirit because we're not a grocery store. You come here to learn how to remain rooted so God can grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life. I'm not giving you, hey, today's message, here's joy. I'm going to make it rain some joy and some peace. I'm not giving this stuff out to you. I'm teaching you how do you remain in Jesus so he can grow the fruit in your life. So I want to talk to you about how this works. Here's a, here's a theological underpinning to it, and I'm going to get practical. Second Corinthians says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, it's salvation. Jesus took you from being dead to alive. The old you was gone. The new you is here. And he grafts you in. He replants you into the vine that is Jesus, our connection to God. And our responsibility is not to make all this work. Our responsibility is just to stay rooted. In fact, I want to give you a picture. So I got, I got two trees here. One is dead. One is alive. And for those of you who need like the Cliff Notes version, this was you before Jesus. This is you after Jesus. Got it? Before Jesus, after Jesus. And you were dead in your sin. And Christ made you alive in him. And this tree is dead. We had to do a lot of work to get this tree to stand upright in this pot today. Like we did a lot of work to make it look like a tree. Listen, I could do a bunch of stuff to make you think this tree was alive. Like, like I could take fruit. And I could tape it to the branches. And listen, from a distance, what's that look like, man? That tree, what's it? That's bearing fruit. Look at that. That's an apple tree, dog. Like I could, I could take this and I could just keep slapping apples all over it. And from a distance, you look at these two trees. That's the good one. Tell me from a distance, that doesn't look a lot. That tastes black. If I had some red tape that blended in, it looked better. But this, this tree, I can do anything I want to make it look like it's alive. But I can assure you it's dead. You know why it's dead? One of our production leaders, Josh, hopefully your wife knows this story. If not, my bad. Uh, this tree was planted in Josh's backyard. And it was very much alive. And Josh was backing his trailer up. And the trailer hit the tree and uprooted it. And as any husband does, you hop out real quick, shove it back in. No harm, no foul. You're going to be okay. And the tree, it's okay, pretty bird, pretty bird. You're going to be okay, right? <laughs> the problem is when you tear up the roots, you kill the tree. And when the tree's dead, it will never produce fruit. This is an apple tree, believe it or not. And it will never produce apples because it was uprooted. In fact, this looks very alive, but do you see how quickly... She, she gone. <laughs> you ain't coming back from that one, boys. But it's got, it's got fruit, fruit on it. No, it doesn't. This tree's dead. And it can look very alive, but it's very dead. Equally, this tree is alive. Look, that ain't, that ain't going nowhere. Why is it alive? Because it's rooted. When you lose the roots, you lose the fruit. When you're rooted, there's stuff happening in this tree that we cannot see right now. The very seeds of apples are somewhere in the... Do trees have DNA? I don't think they do, do they? I'm not a scientist. They do? Graduating seniors, do trees have DNA? If, I, if, if this is wrong and I look stupid, trees have DNA. Thank you. Someone Google that. Make sure I'm not stupid and you're not making me look stupid. 
I'm going to say it like I mean it. If it's wrong, I apologize, scientists. In the very DNA of this tree, it's going to produce fruit. But here's the problem. From a distance, these two trees look very similar. Neither tree has produced fruit yet. One never will and will ne- it cannot produce fruit. This tree will eventually produce fruit. When Josh goes home and hugs his wife and says, my bad for the trailer, and replants a living tree in his backyard, over this next couple years, this tree is going to produce fruit. Why? Because living things produce things. Living apple trees produce fruit. And I want to tell you what Satan wants to do. In the life of a believer, what Satan wants you to do is he wants you to pretend that dead things are alive. And you want to look better than you live. And you want to look like you got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. You want to look like you got the fruit of the Spirit. So you show up to church. Oh, come on now. And you leave and you know you're dead at the root. Can I speak to the American church? We can look like we're followers of Jesus and we're dead at the root. And what God wants to do is not to tape fruit to your life so you look good. He wants to uproot your dead tree and give you life. And what Satan wants to tell you is just look like a Christian. You know why? Because you ain't. And he still wins. Equally, just as dangerous, what does Satan want to tell you? Your tree doesn't have fruit. It's not working. He wants to tell you to uproot living things before they produce fruit. He wants to tell you, listen, where's the apples, apple tree? Hey, where's the love, joy, peace? You're in bed at night every night fearful. Where's the peace you're looking for? You don't have it. He wants to convince you to uproot your faith before it bears fruit. Because we're obsessed with instant and he knows how to use it. If you, if your life does not have the fruit of the spirit yet, and you're a follower of Jesus, what do you do? Stay rooted. Well, it's still not there. What do I do? Stay rooted longer. What would, what would a farmer tell you? Hey, I got a cornfield. This doesn't have corn yet. What should I do? Keep it rooted and it'll grow corn. Yeah, but it's been like two weeks. Yeah, it takes a while. And Satan wants to uproot things before it bears fruit because we are obsessed with instancy. But here's what Jesus is telling us. If you focus on the roots, God will grow the fruit. Let me say it silly. If you stay rooted, the fruit will get fruited. That's not a real word. Don't Google that. It's not a real word. If you, you stay rooted in Christ, the fruit will come. Your job is not to focus out here where the fruit's going to come. That's God's job. Your job is to focus down here. Where is your life planted? Because if the roots are gaining nutrients from the soil and the tree is alive and growing, it will eventually produce fruit. Don't make this more complicated than it is. The role of a follower of Jesus is to stay rooted in Christ. The role of the Holy Spirit is to grow the fruit. So I want to take a turn and I want to talk to our graduating seniors, wink, and I want to to have a conversation because you're stepping into seasons where your life, not spiritually, but practically your life is getting 
uprooted and moved. Like the relationships you had for years. If you're going away to college somewhere else, you're going to start over the, 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 the schedule and the, and the functional parts of your life that your parents provided. Those things are getting uprooted and you're going to start making decisions about how your life is going to be rooted. Listen, for most of you, you're going to pick a spouse in these next five to 10 years. Hello. Some of y'all going in Jesus name, may that be true, right? Some of y'all are picking a career path for your life. This is a really important season. So I want to give y'all three ways to stay rooted, three places you need to stay rooted in this season. And you're going to be tempted to dismiss them because they're so simple. But they're simple like watering a tree. This is so dumb. Just got to keep watering this thing. Tell me how simple it is in three weeks if you don't water it. These are simple things, but over time, they will produce and bear much fruit. Here's the first one. Stay rooted in Christian community. Graduating seniors, your Christian community was provided for you in most ways. You had age 12, you had your small groups, your community groups, and this was provided for you. Now you have to go get it yourself. And when you get to school, you're going to pick the relationships that you're going to be in. And your relationships are the environment in which the tree of your life will grow. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are you going to circle up with? Who's going to be an influence on you? You see, when I was in college, I can't tell all the stories and definitely will not. God was so kind that I had four or five dudes that loved and followed Jesus like I did. And it always felt like one of us was in a tough spot. And you see that girl? Yeah, dude. I'm going to go talk to her. She's trouble, man. And we pull him back. The next time it was me. Man, did you see her? Hey, come on. Get back here. Get back here. What are we doing? We're protecting each other. So when you're in spiritual community, they guard you from your own stupid. And when you're 19 and a dude and there's a pretty girl in the room, you're stupid. You, you need to pick your friends and relationships. I'm going to get practical. When you go to school or start your career or go to trade school, wherever you're going, you have to find a local church. That's so simple. Yeah, it's simple until you don't have it and you're dry and dead because you're not rooted. Here, here's the goal. Find two people that love Jesus like you do and attend church every Sunday. Can I talk to you like if I was your dad? Find two people who love Jesus and be at church every Sunday. Stay rooted in Christian community. Church, I'm talking to seniors, but you don't outgrow this. It's why we talk about small groups so much. Small groups, man, what's a small group? Just a couple dudes circling up every week. Yeah, until you don't have it. And you're uprooted in spiritual community. And the loudest voices in your life are the dummies at the office or the girls you work out with in the gym that don't love Jesus and their values are crazy town. And those are the loudest voices in your life. That is unwise. Stay rooted in Christian community. Second one, stay rooted in the Bible and prayer. And if there is a Sunday school answer, that's the one. 
Hey, what would you tell somebody, man, just get in the word, bro, and pray? Like, that is, I get it. But this is how you stay rooted in relationship and knowledge to God. Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You ever stumble through a dark room? How many scars and bent up toes do you have from walking through a dark room? God's like, listen, my word, this isn't a textbook. This is a lamp. That when you're walking through, listen, graduating seniors, when you're walking through college, you're walking through your career, how do I do finances? How do I date? A lamp to your feet, light to your path. What is prayer? It's how you foster the relationship. This is how you know about God. Prayer is how you know God. This is not a, a to-do list on your day. This is how you stay rooted. He feeds you through his word so that you'll grow and produce the fruit that God promised. Third, stay rooted in layered obedience. I love this term. Layered obedience. Someone said this yesterday at prayer. Develop a history with God. When God says, hey, take a step, you take a step. God, that was pretty dope. That was okay. Take a step. All right, you're starting to develop a history. This layered obedience over time will produce big and beautiful and juicy fruit. Not the gum, fruit, just fruit. Over time, here's the question you ask yourself with layered obedience. Does this honor God? That will answer, listen, that will answer 90% of the questions you have about how to do life. In your dating relationship, does this honor God? In the way that you choose to party in college, does this honor God? In the things that come out of your mouth, does this honor God? If the answer is yes, keep on trucking. If the answer is no, turn away. And what you'll start to see over time, the beauty of layered obedience is you are making decisions that are godly decisions, small, over time decisions that compound and layer on top of each other. That when you look back, you'll realize. I remember when my tree used to look like this. I stay rooted. And in the moment, you can't see what's happening. But when you you look back, I mean, I have more peace than I did two years ago. I have more joy than I did two. Like, I have more self-control than I used to have. This used to be a hard thing to say no to, and now I'm like, I don't need that in my life. Why? Because it's growing over time in your life through the small layered steps of obedience. See, the lie of college and young adult years is you can... Neglect the roots and still end up with the fruit. See, the amount of conversations we've had with age 12 students that graduated high school, went to college for a year, came back for the summer after their first year of college and went, I'm in a spiritual desert. It's not rocket science. You're in a spiritual desert because you uprooted. My life is so dry out here, man. Where's the fruit? Well, dude. You didn't stay rooted in community, God's word and prayer. 
You weren't current in your obedience with God. Like, of course you're dropping. But here's, here's the good news. How do you fix it? Get rooted again. Get back to the things that created the fruit you had when you were at age 12. Do the things that kept you rooted for all those years. Do them again. And God is faithful to actually grow the fruit. So let me end. Instead of a question, I just want to make it a statement. Graduating seniors and all of us, don't settle for less than God offers in your faith. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for the fruit you got to tape on the branches to look spiritual. Deal with the roots because he wants to give you this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what your Father in Heaven wants for you. The question is, will you stay rooted? So pastors across the campuses, would you pray this over our church and our graduating seniors? Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.